Hello and welcome to Shoot the Hostage. I'm Dan. And I'm Sarah. We're a movie show that delves into a different film each week based around a theme. This season the theme is criminals. Like all good podcasts, this show contains explicit language and mature content, as well as major spoilers for the movie we're covering. Right, so it's the final episode of not season ever. two. Um, n- no, not ever of season two. Okay, we've made it. We did episode number sixteen, season two, episode eight. I would love to say we made it unscathed, but what does scathed mean? <laughs> uh, uninjured, unaffected. So scathed means injured or affected. No, um... unscathed is the opposite of that. When those things don't happen. We're here to talk about Con Air. <laughs> Classic. 1997, directed by Simon West. And we chose this movie because it has a lot of criminals No, in no, it. no. We didn't choose this movie. Who chose this movie? You chose this movie. Did I, You keep saying that, but I don't remember choosing this movie. There's not... A, there isn't a timeline that exists in the multiverse that features me choosing Connor. <laughs> why not? I can assure you. Are you going to let everybody know why that is during this episode? Um, yeah. Is this going to be a bunch of us, or me just going, oh, isn't this great? And you going, Pfft. Yes. <laughs> An hour of exactly that. Well, that sounds fun. <laughs> that sounds fun. At least it'll be balanced, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, so 1997, directed by Simon West, 116 minutes long. Got a little synopsis. Should we get that one out of the way? Sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, we say on this show that when there's a long synopsis, it tends to be a really simple film. Mm-hmm. And when it's a short synopsis, and it tends to be a complicated film. Is this going to buck that trend? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> is is okay. it going to unbuck that trend? <laughs> So on the Blu-ray, there was a really, I didn't, I read like the first three words and then looked ahead at the rest of the paragraph and it was so long. So I macked that was it, off. It's just crims on plane. I don't, I don't know. It, it was just too long. So I macked it off and I've gone to Letterboxd and we've got a shorter one here. And it's, I think it was written by an 11 year old. <laughs> oh, good. Like, go. Much like the film. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you. <laughs> But yeah, okay, we'll get into it. So when the government puts all its rotten criminal eggs in one airborne basket, <laughs> oh God, it's asking for trouble. Before you can say pass the bath bag, the crooks control a plane led by creepy, understatement, Cyrus the Virus Grissom. Watching his every move is a just released Cameron Poe who'd rather reunite with his family. Yes. Not to be confused with Cyrus Der Virus, the Who's, rapper. Yeah, what came first? <laughs> I'm assuming this film came first. Malkovich? <laughs> Malkovich? Malkovich. Malkovich. Oh, fuck. We should have started this episode <laughs> off by just saying Malkovich for four minutes. Yeah. This film is the weirdest adaptation prequel I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> is that, oh, that's the Nick Cage movie, right? Uh, Nick Cage, but also John Cusack and Malkovich show up in it. Are they in it as well? Well, it's Charlie Kaufman. The bloke from Taxi. Excuse me? <laughs> the, 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 the... Not Andy Kaufman. Oh, I'm thinking of Andy Kaufman, right. Yeah, I don't know why. Man Always... in the Moon or whatever. Yeah, the man on the moon. No, John... not him. Okay. 
So yeah, we've we've done a synopsis. The budget for this was seventy five million. The box office was two hundred and twenty four million. Just get that out of the way. A success then. It was a success, financially speaking. Anyway, if not artistically. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, let me get through the cast first, at least. (laughs) Director Simon West. This was his first feature that he ever directed. Okay, what else has he done? I know he did Tomb Raider. Well, I'm about to tell you. Okay. The General's Daughter. Is that the remember Travolta that one? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I remember the cover. It's a blue cover <laughs> with a very large Travolta head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so a standard Travolta head. Okay. But yeah. a large head by anyone else's standards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's doing a, the salute thing with his hand to the people that are looking at the case. I remember that movie. I have seen it. And actually, it's Simon West's favourite movie that he's ever made. Is John Travolta the general's daughter? (laughs) (laughs) I think, no, I don't think he is. I think he's looking for the general's daughter or there was a crime on a general's daughter. (laughs) On her? Yeah. That sounds nasty. I think she might be dead and I have to solve the crime. Oh. I remember that. Yeah, it got dark, didn't it? You regret making those jokes now, (laughs) didn't you? Vaguely. (laughs) But so the general's daughter was the closest that came to his original vision i guess okay he had an idea of what that film would be when he went in to start making it and it turned out the closest so i wonder what he thought of con air before he went into (laughs) it but um yeah you mentioned tomb raider yeah he he obviously directed that stolen which i've never seen which is a nick cage movie one yeah i think that's got cars in it or something Uh like carjacker yeah i'm amazed i've not seen it (laughs) <laughs> I did look for it the other day to try and watch it before this did. episode, but I couldn't find it anywhere. He also directed the best Expendables movie, Expendables numero deux. And most recently, I or the most recent one that I've seen very recently, I said recently way too many times. <laughs> it's, it's starting <laughs> to not sound like a real word. <laughs> Skyfire. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, I haven't seen that one. I think it's like a Chinese production it's a disaster movie. It's directed by Simon West. That's all you need to know about that, really. Con Air is also a disaster movie directed by Simon West. <laughs> Do you mean that it's a disaster? Yes. Oh, my God. can't believe you're ragging on this film so much. And we've just been going for like five minutes. Just strap in. <laughs> um, right. Where were we? Skyfire. Yeah, done that. Yeah, Skyfire was all right, actually. I enjoyed okay. that quite a lot. It was very silly. I'm not a huge fan of disaster movies in general because I find that they often are a bit too earnest. They're all very formulaic. They're very formulaic. They're, they're often played a bit straight yeah. for me. There is some deadpan humor in, in them and that sort of thing, but this Skyfire was just nuts. Okay. It was, <laughs> And it was 90 minutes. It's exactly what you expect. Jason Isaacs is in it. He's channeling Elon Musk, I think. Oh, no. Yeah. That sounds terrible. (laughs) Yeah. But he's really good in it. He's having a lot of fun. And I enjoyed that movie quite a bit, actually, more than I thought that I would. Most famously, Mm -hmm. I would say Simon West is probably known for directing the music video Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. Rick Astley. Did he? Yes. Do you know that song? Never gonna Don't give you, you up. Never gonna let you go. Our audience hates us now. You've just rickrolled about 12 people. <laughs> rickrolled? What does that mean? This podcast is just turning into me asking you what words are. <laughs> you're not very internet literate, are <laughs> I you? I thought he was going to say you're not very bright, are you? <laughs> I would never say that to your face. 
<laughs> I've heard what you say about me behind my back. Don't worry. <laughs> Rosie tells me everything. <laughs> Um, yeah, actually, in an interview in 2022, uh, West said that that song just follows him everywhere and he's actually quite haunted by it. <laughs> but it might be his most, the thing that he's done that's been most seen by people. Oh, yeah. Like a billion views on YouTube or something. Because people keep rickrolling people. Yes. They, do you want me to explain what uh, it is? <laughs> no, I, oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> Tell me after. Okay. <laughs> So then they think that I know what Rickroll is. Okay, you're going to have to edit this out. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's fine. I can do that. (laughs) That's when I know because the waveform will peak there and I'm going to cut that, all of this bit out. So it was written by Scott Rosenberg as well. Was it? Yes. Is Scott Rosenberg a child? (laughs) (laughs) Is he an 11 year old? Or was he at the time of this? He was at some point, yeah. Everyone's a former child. I don't know what you've heard, but kind of (laughs) most people I'd say were 11 years old at some point. (laughs) Not everyone. (laughs) No, some people. You said most. (laughs) Some people were born 45 years old, like Sean Harris. Um, Yeah, so Scott Rosenberg also wrote Gone in 60 Seconds, the other Nick Cage classic, which we love in this house, don't we? Do we? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'll accept that. That's fine. I love that movie. Okay. I've um, got nothing. He wrote Venom. Oh. Uh, hmm. Mm. Mm. Have you seen Venom? I think I've seen most of Venom. Okay. So, yeah, you've seen Venom. <laughs> yeah, I've seen enough. He also wrote High Fidelity, would you believe? I thought Nick Hornby wrote High Fidelity. Uh, Nick Hornby wrote the book. <laughs> right. And then he's got a credit as a writer on that movie. So, I guess he adapted it as a screenplay. Okay. I really, really like that film. It's a great movie. Yeah. Another- Another Cusack joint, um, Kangaroo Jack. Oh, God. Is that the Jerry O'Connell one? Yeah. Oh, no. Is that why you were talking about Jerry O'Connell this morning? <laughs> I thought that might... was random. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> Cherry O'Connell, you mean. <laughs> so, and I really like Kangaroo Jack. I can acknowledge it's a terrible, terrible movie. But I don't know, for some reason, it's just one of those, I've seen it more than 10 times. It's If it's on the telly, it doesn't get switched off. Um, he wrote the New Jumanji's. Did he? Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen the second one, but the first one was really fun. Yeah, second one's all right. It's not as good as the first one, but it's still a lot of fun. It's Reese Darby in it. Yes. Ooh, I like Reese Darby. Uh, he also wrote Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead, which was which came out, I think, a couple of years before. Yeah, I want to say 95. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's 1995. So Scott Rosenberg wrote this script mm-hmm. after hearing about after going to the toilet and wiping his ass, <laughs> presenting it in a script meeting. Pretty much. You've got this. You Please continue. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. It's lucky I've got a thick skin. I hope he's not listening to this. If he ever listens to it, I, I've got your back, all right? I, I hope he does listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> it needs to be brought down a peg or two. <laughs> Shut up. He's done some brilliant movies. He's written some brilliant movies. You said you liked High Fidelity. I do. I'm just feeling sassy today. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I couldn't tell. So he had heard about this uh, prison transportation system. So this is a true story, basically, is what I'm saying. So what is it? Justice, prison, and alien transport system? It's called J-Pats. What? The real thing is called J-Pats. Is it? Yeah. I thought that was a movie with Spacey in when he pretends to be an alien. That's K-Pats. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Similar, but not quite. 
So he he wrote this script. Originally was uh, intended to be a, a much quieter character piece. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. Can you believe it? No. But maybe we'll get to this at some point. But I can see what that movie was through some of the dialogue in this. Um, I guess. Yeah, okay. Well, I think you know what I'm talking about, maybe. But maybe we'll get to it. But yeah, so it was based on a much smaller character-driven story. But... Obviously, it's a Jerry Buckheimer production, yeah. so we're going to pretend that we're not ripping off Michael Bay's style, who obviously ripped off John Woo's style. <laughs> <laughs> it's just getting more and more watered down. <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, so Simon West got hold of it, and basically they just were rewriting a lot of the script day by day, and it was kind of how it turned out was kind of a happy accident, depending on if you like this movie or not, I guess. Okay. So... I mean, there's a lot of people in this movie as well. It's a large cast, yeah. A lot of lot of um, very recognisable faces here. Yeah. Beyond the main three. Yeah. Obviously, Nick Cage. He was. I think this is the the filling to his action sandwich. He went from The Rock to Conair to Face Off back to back. Yeah, there was a massive overlap between this and Face Off. I think from what I read, shoots for this ran late. So he was supposed to start on Face Off and he was about six weeks late because right. this ran over. Okay. Yeah. John Cusack. Um, obviously, we've mentioned him already. He, he thinks this is a terrible film. John Cusack is on my side. <laughs> yeah. He's not a fan of this, is no. he? At all. And yet I did read somewhere that he said he would come back for a proposed sequel. Yes. Well, I mean, have you seen some of the movies he's been doing well, Yeah, lately? he obviously likes money, so. Yeah, I can't blame him. I, I miss Cusack. I miss, like peak era Cusack late 80s early 90s and then something went horribly wrong and I remember sort of maybe 10 years ago his Twitter feed was just an absolute train wreck okay and I started to worry about his mental health Mm. um and now he just kind of crops up in really weird shitty films whenever I look on Letterboxd it's usually recent b-movie action Mm. kind of kind of fair which surprises me because he's obviously not a fan of this movie as you've said yeah um i do think that this is one of the better tongue-in-cheek 90s action movies so i'm surprised that he sort of still does that sort of thing for me kusak peaked in the late 90s okay um i wasn't really aware of him until gross point blank i'd maybe i knew him but i don't think i'd seen much of his work i missed a bunch of the what was that we need to sit you down and watch the sure thing and better off dead at a bare minimum okay what's the (laughs) the one when he holds a big radio say anything have i seen that one yes yeah so i hadn't (laughs) seen that one at at that point okay so i wasn't super familiar with him and i yeah i think gross point blank this and then high fidelity Mm -hmm. i think this is gross point blank is like the zenith i think so I think that's my favourite Cusack performance. Mm-hmm. And then if we're talking in terms of performance, probably High Fidelity. Yeah. And then Con Air for me. <laughs> okay. But Con Air is my second favourite movie of his. Uh, John Malkovich. 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 Yeah. Have you seen the movie Rounders about poker? Yes. Yeah, the played- Matt Damon one. Matt Damon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he plays a character in that called Teddy KGB. So that should okay. pretty much know what that character is now, right? He's got an accent, I'm guessing. Correct. Yeah, wears a red tracksuit. <laughs> Literally. Excellent. I love that movie. I think it's brilliant. It's the best poker movie of all time. <laughs> uh, Michael T. Williamson plays Baby O. 
Oh, okay, yep. Forrest the Gump. diabetic guy. Yep. Mm. Forrest Gump, Heat. Ving Rhames, Diamond Dog, Colm Meany. Is it, is it Colm? Colm. Yeah, probably. But I, I, I used to pronounce it Colm. 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 You know, like calm. As in the The feeling. word calm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I guess I was so. Like comb, but then we watched the Banshees of Inner Sharon, and they kept calling him Column. So I was like, "Oh no!" Yeah, I know, bloke. What is called Column, and I'm so I should have known trust that. the Irish people. I, I, yes, let's go with that. <laughs> Rachel Tocotin, Dave Chappelle, Danny Trejo, Steve Buscemi, just yep. running through the last bits of cast there. Steve Buscemi, uh, Buscemi, 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 Buscemi. I say Buscemi. Steve's in it. Plays Garland <laughs> Green. Yep. What do you reckon then? My first question for you is Nicolas Cage as an action star. Because you're, you're quite a fan of action movies. Like yeah. I, I, like I probably am more of a fan because that's really my genre. Uh-huh. But you're quite a big fan of action movies too. What do you think you're of You're not him? to the same degree that you are. I don't know nearly as much. But I like them, yeah. But what, what are your thoughts on Nicolas Cage in action movies? What's your favourite Nicolas Cage action movie? Ooh, probably Face Off. Okay. But I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't favour his action performances. I like him when he's unhinged. Okay. So like, give me Nicolas Cage in The Colour Out of Space or Mandy. Yeah. The psychedelic weird shit. That's what I want. So is <laughs> is like recent Cage more your jam then? Yes, very much because so. Because he, he, I feel like in the 80s when he was trying to, when he changed his name to Cage, trying mm-hmm. to sort of distance himself from the Coppola name. He did a lot of weird stuff, right? And there's a bunch of 80s movies, Nicolas Cage 80s movies that I haven't seen. I haven't seen... Is you it seen Va- Valley Girl? No, I haven't seen okay. that. Is he, was he in something called Vampire's Kiss where he yes. eats a beetle or something? <laughs> right? Um, what's that Coen Brothers one? Is it Raising Arizona that Raising he's in? Ar- yeah. Yes. Or maybe I have seen that, but it was so long ago that okay. I may as well have not seen it. So... Yeah, I feel like he maybe did a lot of experimental stuff in the eighties. Yeah, became more formulaic in the nineties. Not for, formulaic, maybe sounds a he bit. He became a bit pigeonholed for a while. He became pigeonholed for a while. I feel like between ninety five, ninety six to two thousand and five ish. There's like mm-hmm. a ten year period where he's doing a lot of action movies. As the time goes on, he's doing more B grade type stuff, Ghost Riders. They were Ugh. pretty pony, I think, from what I remember. But, but then he did stuff like Adaptation that I've already yeah. mentioned, which was a pretty out of left field for him at that point. Yeah. But he's he's a brilliant, brilliant actor. And yeah. I, I know sometimes he's a bit of a joke, like he, he gets memed a lot. And he is very entertaining. Like I mm-hmm. laugh at a lot of this stuff, like the Wogan interview when he comes on stage and he's kicking the air. <laughs> and he's throwing money, I think, out to the audience. He's insane. And I love it. I think it's great. Renfield was a, a later. He was very fun in Renfield. He was fucking great in it. And I, I don't know. I really, I think he's one of the greats. I think he, he might be on my Mount Rushmore, you know, of. of okay. Four, 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 people, yeah. four <laughs> Or four ho- horses if you'd seen Barbie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think, I think I, I just, I've got a real soft spot for those three action movies in particular. The Rock is my favourite Michael Bay movie, maybe. Um, Over Bad Boys? Oh, no, maybe it's not. (laughs) Forget that. I just love it. Conair, I think, is great. And Face Off is is pretty great as well. John Woo movie. And Gone in 60 Seconds. He's done some really solid action movies for me. And I just think he's a really kind of underrated action star. 
Like he was okay. like bankable in the nineties. It was kind of a bit of a left turn for him to do The Rock, I think, in 96. And then he became the action guy. He was the action guy for a while. And mm-hmm. no one batted an eyelid after after The Rock. He's doing Con Air, he's doing Face Off, he's doing 60 Seconds and all of that jazz. Um, so I think for me, my favorite period of, of Cage is the late 90s, much with John Cusack. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, because Cage started off being this like little wiry dude who was in these quirky projects and then he got super jacked in the mid 90s yeah and i think this is he was got really jacked for this one i feel like maybe in 95 there was a movie called kiss of death which i I haven't haven't seen no i haven't seen that one but i think that he bulked up a little bit for that movie right okay and maybe kept some of that bulk for the rock and connor he doesn't really take his shirt off in the rock but you see (laughs) you see his guns a lot in in connor (laughs) So action action movies in general, 90s action movies, 90s movies, 90s action is, I would say, super cheesy for the most part. Oh, like God, for a, yeah. For a period of just cheesy movies being... The cheesiest. Yeah. And this is very cheesy. This is up there, man. Yeah, this you're right. This is up there. And it's, we mentioned earlier that it's produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. It's the first Bruckheimer movie without Don Simpson's credit. This was the first time the new... Brookheimer logo was used. Mm. I think a lot of people assume this was directed by Michael Bay. Yeah, I can see why. Do you know when the trailers came out? I think I might have just assumed that. <laughs> yeah. I remember I, I don't I didn't go to the cinema to see this, but I did have it on VHS. And I was all about Michael Bay and Bruckheimer movies back then. And I think I kind of assumed that it was. But yeah, I think you could watch this and just assume that it's a Michael Bay movie for sure. Yeah, and absolutely. I, I think maybe that was the Bruckheimer influence. So I wonder how much Bruckheimer actually informed Bay's career. Like with the yeah. ideas and his kind of shot compositions and the way that he, he structures his shots. Is that him or is that Bruckheimer? Because a lot of Bruckheimer movies, regardless of who the director is, do have a similar feel, particularly right, between, yeah. I would say, 86 and 96. Or look, maybe there's like a 15-year period up to 2000 where all Bruckheimer movies, they all... they. The magic hour is pretty much constant throughout <laughs> them. There's a lot of looking up shots and spinny round camera moves yeah, and cheesy yeah. um, scores. Oh my God, God, I have notes about the score in oh, this. I love it. Do you? Meow, meow, meow. It's great. It sounds like somebody just stitched together every intro to like every single Guns N' Roses track to <laughs> okay. exist. They just edited them all into one. Yeah. It is un- it is an unusual score, but I really I really like it. So Mark Mancina was brought on originally to do the score. He, yeah. He did the score for Bad Boys. Mm-hmm. And I love that score as well. But at some point he got called away to another movie. I think I, I want to say Speed 2. Oh, no. I could be wrong on that. <laughs> but, um, but then Trevor Rabin got brought in to finish it off and he did the score for Armageddon yeah so the plot for this movie was kind of summarized by Garland Green in the movie wasn't it bunch of idiots dance on a plane to a song made famous by a band that died in a plane crash yes I think that it could really applies to the whole movie yeah there are a bunch of idiots and they dance on a plane a bit as long as you're not suggesting that Garland Green is our everyman relatable protagonist (laughs) yes I have feelings about that as well it's it's Okay, I'll give you this. Mm-hmm. It's a strange movie. Oh, yeah. It's a strange movie. Oh, thanks for conceding <laughs> on that point. <laughs> it is. It's super weird. 
and for, like it shouldn't work and obviously it, it doesn't for you i'm guessing for look i don't hate this movie i will be taking the piss out of it a lot as we continue <laughs> just to forewarn you but i don't hate it well you can't hate it because it's a perfect movie you can't see it, but I'm rolling my eyes right now. <laughs> I think they can hear it. <laughs> yeah. I went so far back in my skull. I think I think this movie kind of lets you know what you're in for from the start, right? Because the start of the movie is Cameron Poe returning back from, I guess, the Gulf War. He's a ranger. Yeah, we know a... that because of the outrageously weird testosterone slash patriotic intro mm. that features lots of gunfire and men in uniforms and American flags. Yeah, big old fucking tanks with their old massive cannon, phallic cannons, just <laughs> sh- shoving off a- around. Yeah, and he meets his partner after just getting out of the army. He kisses her belly because she's pregnant. <laughs> I don't think he's the father. Oh, Right? Oh, I was under the impression that he was. I think he is. Is there some subtext <laughs> that I missed? Well, no, well I'm, the subtext is that he's been in the army for I don't know how long. Yeah, but they people get leave. Do they? Yeah. Oh, I thought once you're in the army, you can, like, oh, maybe you do like a three month stint and then do you, you think the leave. army is jail? I don't know. I've never <laughs> been in the army. Neither have I. <laughs> I. Look, she did not look pregnant, is the point I'm making. <laughs> But she was, in fact, pregnant. Well, So I question my, whose baby it is. My assumption was that he was on leave, knocked her up, <laughs> went back, and then he was honourably discharged. Okay. Which is when they're reunited at the beginning. So there's some people in the bar that take a liking to his partner and they choose that night to start on them. And he basically goes to jail uh, for seven years for killing someone because he he's kills, a deadly weapon. He kills Kevin Gage. Is that a famous actor um he's an actor okay i don't know about the famous part but i always have to look up who it is because kevin gage and ted levine look so alike that i'm remain unconvinced that they aren't the same person put the bunny in the basket that guy <laughs> buffalo bill oh yeah um, yeah, but he doesn't last too long, does he? He does not, he no. He gets a little nose smash. He does. Um, a fatal nose smash. A fatal nose <laughs> smash, yeah. And Poe gets the worst law advice ever in the history of Poe. I feel like he had quite a strong self-defense case, right? Yeah. They tried <laughs> to attack his missus. He got attacked. Yeah. And he accidentally killed someone. And the lawyer says... It's not, it's not his fault he was trained to... <laughs> exact lethal I force i know but you know that's part of the the themes of this movie isn't it is, is i guess so oh we're talking themes now are we <laughs> this film's got themes has it <laughs> it kind of has it kind of has which blows my mind to say which is kind of what i was getting at earlier with saying i think i can kind of see what the original script what it might should have been, been. <laughs> i don't know man it worked out perfectly but yeah so the lawyer the worst law advice ever plead guilty you'll you'll get four years you'll be out in one but he gets seven. What a shit lawyer. Terrible. He's the worst lawyer. I thought he got 10. That, no, but the lawyer said to him. Right. The lawyer said, if you plead not guilty, you'll get 10 years. If right. you plead guilty, you'll get four. You'll be out in one. Right. But he pleaded guilty and got seven. Oh, I thought he'd seven. been in there for eight years when they let him out. I mean, we're talking about a year. Yeah. Sure. You can do years. a lot in a year, Dan. It, it, sure. <laughs> I, let's say eight years, but it was seven. That's 365 entire days. Yeah. <laughs> do you know how many times I've seen this movie? Uh, 365? Not far, right? Probably, yeah. <laughs> At least a lot. 
It's I lot. challenge you to watch this every day for a full calendar year. What do I get? Nothing. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> you get to watch this film a lot. You love it. Yeah, I do love it. Take me up on it. Go on. <laughs> Should I do Chronicle some kind it. of Instagram challenge? Yes. Okay. Listen, <laughs> if people write in and they are genuinely interested in that, I would consider it. But I'm not going to just do it just in case they might be and get to the end of the year and I've watched Con Air 365 <laughs> times. Anyway, where were we? We haven't even really talked about the plot of this movie and the complex structure of it. Uh, are you waiting for me to interject? <laughs> no. no. So basically, the, uh, I, I've... Before we move on to the plain stuff, I do want to mention the letter writing part because it, it, the prison sentence is shown to us via montage, right? Yeah, of, of the, course it is. The prison time of the seven years and his daughter Casey and Cameron are writing each other letters. And it starts with a really long letter and the letters I notice get shorter and shorter. Casey wrote him a letter saying, dear daddy, are you ever coming home? <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> How old is this kid? Well, seven, I guess. So was she writing letters for a while? I don't know. When did children start using pens? Well, that's my question. <laughs> like, I don't know. What? She can't have been writing in that many letters, one surely. Something. One. You think you can hold a pen at one? Of course you can. You I could. S- you could write at one. Could you? I don't know. I don't remember. But you can certainly <laughs> hold a pen. Anyway, details. So Casey is writing him letters. Yes, the let- the letters are very very short, which I thought was very strange. Dear Daddy, you ever coming home? Dear Casey, yes. Um, <laughs> oh come on what's this line what's this line I've got dear daddy where's my fucking bunny rabbit <laughs> school is very but oh my god his accent this is a crime to all people from alabama break out the fine china children lemonade tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree because this boy is coming home to his ladies coming home forever that felt like a hate crime. <laughs> I love it. It works for me. But he proper studied for for this movie, well, didn't he? Well, I read that he travelled to Alabama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that could have been... He could have spent three hours there for all we knew. <laughs> no, when they a... went, yeah, no, I've got this. I, th- I heard it was 10 years. He was, he spent 10 years in Alabama to perfect the accent uh, for Con Air. It makes no never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so he does He does his time, does his bird, if you will. And then, uh, no, I didn't mean, <laughs> no. Bird is, <laughs> bird is a colloquial term for jail. Right. I'm glad you clarified. Yeah. I thought you were just being all South End for a second. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about his relationship. <laughs> Don't treat women like that. That's another one he says in that movie. Yeah, so he does his time and then he's being released and his best mate, Baby O, is on a plane with him. Because he's being transferred. Plane gets taken over by John Malkovich. 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 And then Malkovich, Malkovich. Yep, Malkovich. And Malkovich. Also Malkovich, yes, Malkovich. Malkovich, um, Malkovich. I think I think this is... Is this joke played out? Dead now, okay, yeah. Right. yeah. So <laughs> Malkovich takes over the plane and then it's just silly time from there. Oh, from there it's silly time. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, fair enough. It's silly time from moment one. <laughs> But I, I get it. Just it kind of ratches up the action. The and... silly time ante is up. Yeah, and yep, yeah, yeah. Um, other plane movies: Passenger Fifty Seven. Seen yeah. that one? Turbulence. Sure, snakes on a plane. <laughs> snakes on a plane. Yeah. Uh, the taking of Pelham One Two Three. That's a train, isn't is it? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was an aircraft. I'm pretty what sure that's I a train. What am I confusing that with? I don't know. <laughs> is Walter Matthau in that? <laughs> 
I thought it was John Travolta. Oh, it got remade. Oh, right. I've only seen a remake, I think. Even. Yeah. Yeah, Air Force One, that's another plane one. Okay. Do you know what I think of when I think of Con Air? What movie it most reminds me of? Outside of the plane movies that we've just mentioned. The Room. <laughs> the Brie Larson one. <laughs> um, no, Point Break. Okay. It's For me, It's Point Break is kind of, it's absurd. It's, it's portraying masculinity and its absurdities right it's 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 really silly but it's it knows it's silly yeah it's It's super macho but it's playing on that is it point break oh point we're talking about point break um i guess i think so i think so i think it's playing with the action genre it's 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 kind of i mean it's directed by a woman so yes i'll yeah i'll go with you on that i think the term is way way overused but it is kind of deconstructing the action genre in a way in a way yeah it's kind of taking the mick out of super macho movies and i feel like this movie kind of accidentally does that no this is the film they're taking the piss out of (laughs) what point break (laughs) like this is the this is feeding right into it isn't it I, i i see for me i when I was a kid, I really enjoyed this movie because it was action and it was fun and it was silly. But now I watch it and I, I get something a bit different from it. I kind of watch it and I kind of enjoy it ironically in a way because I, I, I watch it and I saw you covering your eyes quite a lot of it at the time. And that's kind of how I feel too, but I'm really enjoying it. And I feel like I watch Point Break and I am super on board with just portraying the absurdities of masculinity and i feel like this does the same thing but this did it accidentally i think this was trying to be not serious but it was very tongue-in-cheek and it's very silly but i feel like the result is probably a bit further away from what they intended but for me i can watch it and go yeah men are a bit silly aren't they do you know what i mean i do i do know what you mean i don't think that's most people's takeaway though no. Sadly. And from what I've read about stuff that happened behind the scenes, like there was an um an interview with Danny Trejo, and apparently like the whole thing turned into what he called a tough guy competition. Between takes, they would start spitting competitions to see who could like gross the furthest. Oh lovely. It's so disgusting. They had like a, a ring or something, didn't they? Yeah. Like a fighting ring. Whatever oh, that's, that's called. Like this is the most testosterone ever on film, perhaps. Yeah. Like I was worried I was going to start growing chest hair before the credits rolled. Yeah, It's so blokey. And I get what you're saying. And if if that is your takeaway, then that's fair. That's subjective. Oh, thanks. But I, <laughs> but I definitely think you're right in that it was unintentional. <laughs> I think so. I think it did have its tongue placed in its cheek. Yeah. But I feel like, I don't know, for me, I, I just, I, I don't know. I just get a similar experience watching this movie when I watch, to when I watch Point Break. I prefer this movie. I prefer Point Break. Yeah, I think Point Break <laughs> is probably the better movie. Okay. Objectively. Because it was clearly intended to be what it is. I think this was a complete accident. What this turned out to be, I think, was just chance. Well, it sounds like there was, uh, I don't want to say like a troubled production, but it sounds like there was a lot of shit that went on behind the scenes. Like, 
Obviously, we talked about the fact that it was Jerry Bruckheimer producing on his own for the first time. I read like the sheer number of people that were considered for all the different roles. Like it sounds like casting was a fucking nightmare. Oh yeah, I heard. Um, who was it that auditioned for Cyrus? Willem Dafoe. Oh, there was a there was a bunch of people. Yeah, yeah Willem Dafoe was one of them. But there was so many people, long yeah. lists of people who were considered for each role. Yeah, and a lot of the people who ended up in the roles were not the first choice. Apparently, Scott Rosenberg quit the project fourteen times. 14 separate times and kept coming back and he's still really unhappy with the ending I'm not surprised that he's unhappy with it because I bet this is miles and miles away from that original script which I would love to get my hands on yeah I'd be interested I did look for it Okay. But I couldn't find it. I could only find the script as it is in its final version. But yeah, no, I feel like it was kind of what it turned out to be was a bit of an accident. And people will argue, as you would probably now, that this is not a great movie. Mm -hmm. And I understand that. But I think you can get a certain amount of enjoyment if you open your heart (laughs) for for this movie. No, but if you're a fan of like silly, stupid action movies, then you you probably... get something out of this. I am a fan of silly, stupid action films, though, but I prefer my silly, stupid action films to have less threats of sexual violence against women and... Yes. Like, walking the tightrope of being transphobic at times. And I don't know, there was just a lot that... And I I, I get it. I feel like I'm becoming a bit of a, um, a cliche. It is not my position on this podcast to be the buzzkill, <laughs> I promise you. And I know you have to view things through the lens of, well, it was made nearly 30 years ago. Things have changed. But personally speaking, that definitely affects my enjoyment of this. Yeah, I I don't blame you. I think you'd be remiss not to mention it. I think there are are problems with this movie for sure. Yeah. I think if if it was down to me, I would probably just whip out all of the Danny Trejo stuff. Just remove his character entirely. It's not. The only reason that he's in there, I think, is to show, oh, Malkovich isn't so bad. He doesn't like raping. (laughs) But he murders people all the time. So like, yeah. I, you know, mm. It's Danny Trejo, the only person in the cast who is an actual ex-con. I don't know. I don't Ooh. know. But um, it's it, like I love Trejo. I think he's pretty great. In, yeah, for, he's a legend. For the stuff that he does, I think he's, he's perfect. Mm-hmm. And a super nice guy by all accounts. Yeah. I heard, I listened to, I would highly recommend if you haven't listened to it, How Did This Get Made doing Con Air. Okay. It's so good. <laughs> It's really funny. But they mentioned that they had had Danny Trejo on their show at some point. And they'd asked him who was the craziest person that he worked with on Con Air. And he, apparently he sat and he thought about it for a minute and said, John Cusack. Really? And they were really surprised. They're like, Cusack, really? He does seem a bit odd. He he said, I don't know, man. He said, there's just something. He's got crazy eyes. Like, yeah. there's just something about him. <laughs> That's so interesting. Well, from by all accounts, like um, John Cusack just had a terrible time making this film. He said he barely remembers a lot of it because really? he hated it so much. Right. He's like blocked it out. So I wonder if that impacted how the other people on the film saw him. I think so. I think also you mentioned Rosen, Rosenberg yeah. quit 14 times. I bet a lot of that is because his script was getting chopped up and chopped yeah, up and changed yeah. constantly. You know, Cusack was never on board with the script. He didn't like it. He turned it down. Yep. The only reason he decided that he would do the movie is because... He, money. Well, money is a big <laughs> deal, obviously. But he really wanted to create an action star that wore sandals. Really? Is- I didn't read that. I, I read that he took the role because of the money and secondary to that was so he could use it as leverage for other smaller projects yeah so i'm I'm, i guess that is a result of the money right so but sandals you say yes (laughs) 
Yes, uh, it was one of his demands. Oh, I'll only do this movie. This is what I've read, so I don't know. It might be bullshit, but apparently he his condition was, I'll do the movie if you let me wear Birkenstocks. I want to be the first action star that wears sandals. Okay. And that's the first thing you see of Cusack's character. You just yeah. see some sandals, which I don't know. It's a weird quirk, but I don't know. It's it's just a thing. It's it's a weird thing that just kind of works. It's, it's strange. odd. Yeah. In the remake, it's going to be Crocs. Oh, no. <laughs> God, for the love of God, no. <laughs> um, yeah, but talking, going back to the Trio stuff, I think I totally agree. I think you can just whip that stuff out. It's not necessary. Mm. There are so many reasons that these people are bad guys. Yeah, you don't need it. There's, it's, there's a bunch of dialogue around that as well. Johnny 23, I'm now going to be Johnny 24. Or like he laughs and said, oh, it'd be Johnny 600 if they knew about the rest or something like that. Exactly. And I think for this movie, what it is, it's super silly, super cheesy. I don't think... That doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. It feels weird. It feels odd. And I'm totally with you on that. Mm. So I sort of, whenever that stuff is happening, I'm sort of like, oh, oh God, come on. Can we at least... At least she got to kick him. Yes. (laughs) And that's kind of was like, oh, okay. And she's in Total Recall. I didn't notice until oh, okay. I looked up the cast list for this, but she's Melina in Total right. Recall. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't s- recognize her. I see it now. I'm okay. like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, so I'd definitely whip out the Treo stuff. You spoke about the trans character, and they did play to some stereotypes with that. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole character is kind of a joke. Yeah. And I, it's yeah. like that trope of men in prison together. Like it's something you see a lot in TV shows. And I don't know how true that is. I've never been to a prison, let alone, you know, a male prison, let alone any. Yeah. But I don't know. It just felt a bit yikes. Yeah. It was it was a very small portion of the movie. So if I, if I have to choose, I'm going to whip out yeah. the Johnny 23 stuff. I think like in terms of representation, cool, have that character, yeah. but like make them less of a joke maybe. I, I, yeah. And I was trying to remember when that character appeared, I was trying to remember what happens with that character. And as the movie went on, I thought, oh, okay, we're just not really addressing it, which is cool. Yeah. Good. But then they do address it. Yeah. And I just thought, oh no, because there's the, the part where Malkovich says, scratch their eyes out. I think, okay, come on, that's an obvious kind of joke. And then there's a part where Nicolas Cage goes to punch them and... Just credited as Sally can't dance. Okay. (laughs) So Nicolas Cage goes to punch Sally and then takes a look at her and decides to slap her instead. Yeah. But it was like the confused face. and and But also like the connotation there is like, oh, I must... Uh, the the violence must be gendered. Yeah. <laughs> like that's yeah. so weird. Yeah, that's exactly what I was trying to say, but you 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 you've articulated it for me. Thank you. <laughs> this is how the podcast should work. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, those are the like I joke. The, it's not a perfect movie, clearly, but it is a fantastic, cheesy, super cheesy action time, and I love it. And there's some really memorable stuff as well. There's the stuff at Carson City. Mm. All the time, Poe is trying to sort of walk the line of pretending that he's on board with the plan. And I find all of that super interesting. They were my favourite bits. They were my favourite bits when he was sort of not, I mean, not in panic mode. I was about to say in panic mode, but kind of he was pretty level-headed throughout the whole thing due to his training, I guess. But the moments where he's trying to assess the situation and figure out how best to get on everybody's good side and like play everybody off against each other whilst yeah. protecting certain people. Yeah. I don't know. They, they were the most interesting points to me anyway. 
yeah, no, I enjoyed all of that stuff. It's your barbecue Cyrus and it tastes good. <laughs> he has a chance to get off of the plane mm-hmm. at Carson City, but he decides to stay on because Baby O needs some insulin, didn't get yeah. his shot last night, and they destroyed all of the, the syringes during the um, lethal takeover. Yeah, so he's, 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 he's doing a dance throughout the movie between wanting to get off the plane, seeing his family and protecting his friends and doing the right thing. And Larkin realises that he has an, an ally, Larkin being John uh, yeah. Cusack's character. Sandal Boy. Sandal Boy, that's right. And I think like he is kind of an interesting hero as well. Like, Larkin. I'm, yeah. Yeah, he's not a stereotype. No, he's not. And there, there is some really interesting, again, going back to, I, I can see the threads of the original scripts in there. Yeah. He does a lot of chat about, like, because Colmini's character, Malloy, oh, they're criminals, they they shouldn't have any rights, they mm-hmm. lost their rights when they committed a crime, blah, blah, blah. And Cusack sees it as more of a grey area than that. He's like, no, you know, everyone makes mistakes. Look at this guy, Cameron Poe, he was in a bar fight protecting his wife, killed somebody, could have happened to any of us. So it is, you can see the threads of it there, which is, it made, it's a fascinating movie to me. It's like, it's got some really interesting dialogue. Yeah. And f- kind of thought-provoking stuff which is an odd thing to say but then straight after that Nicolas Cage is going I'm going to show you God does exist <laughs> so it's a weird mishmash yeah of things very much so I I read somewhere else as well that um I don't know at what point it happened but J.J. Abrams did a dialogue polish on the script Ooh. proving that you can in fact polish a third <laughs> <laughs> I bet that original script is quite good you know well I, I want to know which bits who was responsible for. I'm fascinated by that. Like, because yeah. J.J. Abrams has got a fairly good reputation, right? Yeah. No, yeah. So like maybe some of the better stuff is his doing. Who knows? It could be. It could be. I could be way off there. But my thoughts are that the stuff that yeah. is actually interesting and uses words with anything more than two syllables <laughs> is probably the original script. Right. Um, but yeah, Cusack is an interesting action star, I think. Interesting hero in this movie. Yeah. And I mean, obviously Cameron Poe is a is a bit flat. He's interesting in that he's, as you said, he's trying to assess the situations, but there's not much else to him. No, besides the hair. Yeah, and his guns. <laughs> Have we even talked about MC Ganey yet? Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing. <laughs> <laughs> not the Swamp Thing, <laughs> just a Swamp Thing. No. Um, no, we've not mentioned MC Ganey yet. I feel I feel bad about that. Well, I mean, the guy has got a very interesting face. He's got a very memorable face. Yeah. Looks a little bit like a bow selector mask and a spitting image puppet had relations at one point. <laughs> yeah, okay, I can see that. Um, n- no offence to the guy. <laughs> He's got a very good character actor presence. I feel he was like somewhat underused. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. He's... Because he's kind of important, right? There's no yeah. movie without that character. Well, that, he, he's he, the only one who can fly a plane. Yeah, he flies the plane and he drives the truck at the end of the movie. Yeah. So, yeah, he kind of is in a couple of scenes, but he's not really used that much. Also, he ha- he's, he's smoking the cigarette that kills Sandino. Oh, yeah. Sigh. <laughs> Anara. Oh, God. Yeah, MC Ganey. Yeah, he's, he's uh, memorable in this. This is... The favourite movie that he's ever been in. Is it? It's his favourite movie, yeah. Wow. So him and Cusack are opposite ends of that yeah. spectrum then. Yeah. Um, I get the impression Malkovich didn't really enjoy this a great deal. No. I've heard a, a couple of conflicting points on this. Okay. Apparently, 
one side says that he was annoyed because the script was being rewritten every day and he didn't really know what was happening. Understandable. But I read that the director had actually come out and said, well, I feel like he didn't read the script. So oh. <laughs> every day he came to me and, was, and said, what do you want me to do in this scene? So th- we've got right. completely different. I don't know what's true. I mean, he was kind of a, a pretty serious actor up until the, this point, wasn't he? Probably a theatre guy, I, I would say. Yeah, right? I mean, he was like most well known for things like Dangerous Liaisons. Malkovich. Yeah, <laughs> Malkovich. Malkovich. Um, yeah, so this was... a bit of a turning point for him as well Malkovich so <laughs> you're really committed to that joke Malkovich ah oh, the bit is over stop <laughs> it's please it's over I'm going to grind it into the ground <laughs> oh yeah just John Cusack was in being Mal- John Malkovich yeah 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 I think well both of them like reprised their roles in adaptation mm. but yeah so Willem Dafoe you already mentioned apparently Jason Isaacs and Mickey Rourke auditioned for the part of Cyrus as well before I, I went to Malkovich Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs, yeah. I, he's a pretty great actor. He could have done something interesting with that. Did you did you hear about Mickey why Mickey Rourke didn't get the role? I didn't know. So, oh no. So apparently he came in for an audition mm-hmm. but just pulled out a real knife in the <gasps> audition and people were like, Thanks, Mickey. <laughs> we'll be in touch. Jesus Christ. He's insane. The bloke's insane, I he's think. He's a head case. Yeah. That's not okay. No, it's not. It's not okay. Like, I get having props and needing things to fill in the moment and kind of get a hold on your character. But if you're going to pull out a knife, just make it a plastic one. What's the fucking difference? Yeah. <laughs> Have a plastic butter knife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so he didn't get it. But he was uh, he was uh, auditioned for the Cyrus the Virus role. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Cyrus the Virus. Cyrus yeah. the damn virus. How do you feel about Steve Buscemi? Because he, again, was not first um, first choice. Oh, who else was, was in the mix for that one? The first choice was uh, Tim Roth. Tim Roth would work. He's, he's, he can do pretty unhinged and... Yep. Yeah. Crazy. I can see that. I can yeah. see that. But it went to Buscemi. How do you feel he did? Because he was kind of a bit of an outlier. He was great in this, I thought. Yeah. I'm really happy with what ended up being that character. I mean, it's a weird one because he is apparently like the worst criminal out of all of them. Yeah. He killed how many? 37 people, apparently, was it? The well, they, they talked about he's like a hardened serial killer, like yeah. an, a true psychopath. Yeah. But can empathize with small children and decide not to kill them? Yeah, it's weird because at one point in the movie, he talks about having killed someone and wearing her head as a hat across yeah, three states. As you do. As, yeah. <laughs> you know, sunny. In a pinch. <laughs> a head will do. Yeah. <laughs> But he's not, he doesn't seem like that character. He's super calm, intelligent. He has some interesting dialogue. There's one point where he goes, he's a font of misplaced rage, name your cliche. Mother held him too much or not enough. Last picked at kickball, late night sneaky uncle, whatever. Now he's so angry, moments of levity actually cause him pain, gives him headaches. And that's a super interesting bit of dialogue, I think. Yeah. And like you're talking about psychology of, of prisoners and stuff like that and how people might get to where they are so by one stretch he's portrayed as the the craziest most unhinged criminal out of all of them yeah but like the other, truly unpredictable yeah but then on the other side of it he seems like the nicest one and yeah. most level-headed and he kind of gets a happy ending too <laughs> yeah but but that's i kind of feel like that last scene because he survives and the final shot of the movie is him gambling he's, he's having a whale of a time gambling away. And, and i feel like 
I guess it's sequel bait. I guess realistically right. what it is is probably we can do a sequel if we want to. Okay. But I kind of view it as, I feel like it's the movie just one last time going, this is definitely the movie you watched. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> and yes, we're celebrating that the serial killer is alive at the end because it's nonsense. I mean, that was true nonsense. It was. Like yeah. this guy who's slashed his way through God knows how many people. Are we supposed to root for him? Yeah. Like, what's going on? <laughs> right, right. And I've heard theories about the little girl maybe being a figment of his imagination. Okay. I think, I, I don't, I don't think really. <laughs> he had a tea party with his conscience? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, there was the doll in it and she waves goodbye to the plane when it takes off. So I yeah. don't really buy into that theory. However, I think it's quite interesting. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I thought his character was really, really good. And I enjoyed his introduction to the movie as well because he's in like a big cage. He's in that chair. He's got well, a he's mask like on. He's like full on Hannibal Lecter, Hannibal, isn't he? Yeah, I was, I was thinking, is this the raptor from Jurassic yeah. Park? <laughs> is Chris Pratt also in this plane? God, he's going to do the, the finger thing at him and just kind of get him to calm, calm down. No, because if, if uh, Chris Pratt was on a plane, then he might have got thrown off of said plane. If I was on a plane with Chris Pratt, I might be tempted. Would you? Would you do the? Would you throw him out of the plane? Would you replace Dave Chappelle with Chris Pratt? Oh yeah. Yeah, but yeah. you wouldn't kill him before you threw him out of the plane. <laughs> no. <laughs> we didn't. We haven't even talked about pinball. I know. I know. Apparently, no. most of Chappelle's dialogue was improvised. Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I heard this too. I, I I don't know what improvising means. I feel like it can mean different things to different people. Sometimes it's in the moment and you're just having a conversation and this and that and this. But a lot a lot of the time, I think it's the night before mm. or a few hours before, I'm going to say this. He was good, actually, thinking about it. I thought he was pretty good. And I don't remember seeing him in much else. No. And I'm not familiar with his comedy. I used to watch Chappelle's show. Is, is that like a sitcom? Uh, no, it's more of a sketch show. Okay, I haven't um, seen that. I'm not, not. I've never seen one of his specials, which apparently he's the greatest comic of all time. Uh, more controversial in recent years, but I don't want to get into that. No, there's there's no point getting into it because I haven't seen it, so I no, I haven't. I couldn't comment on it anyway. Same, same. But I thought he was good in it. I thought he yeah. was quite funny. I thought the way he delivered his dialogue was very good. He was pretty memorable. Like he had, he didn't have the biggest role. No. And, and it, he kind of dies at the halfway point, roughly. And it's funny because whenever I stick this movie on, and it's been a while, it's mm -hmm. been a minute since I've watched Con Air, but I saw it a lot in the 90s and early 2000s. But whenever I put it on, I'm always thinking, oh, yeah, I enjoy this character, Pinball. He's in this movie the whole time. And then he gets off really early. And I'm yeah. always surprised because he has that much of an impact. I think he's in more of the film. But I did enjoy when when Nicolas Cage writes on his on his torso, you know, US Marshal Larkin and throws him out of the plane. Somehow had time <laughs> while the other guy's back was turned to write yeah. a fucking novel on this guy's T-shirt. Yeah. I remember when we were sitting down and watching this, when his body got thrown out of the plane and it lands on a car, you turned to me and went, is this a comedy? <laughs> <laughs> to which I replied, yes, <laughs> I think it is. I mean, I'd seen this before, but it was such a long time ago that I think I'd forgotten. Mm, okay. I think I'd, in my head, I'd retconned it as more of a serious action film. So right. I was surprised 
by the tone of it this time. Yeah, I I would kind of I would kind of class this as a comedy. It's very funny, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. <laughs> do we want to say any more about Cameron Poe before we start wrapping up? Do you know Patrick Swayze was also considered for the role of Cameron Poe? Oh, because in Point Break they're talk- taking a piss out of masculinity and they're doing the same thing with this. They're, I they're guess like, so. That's what they did in that movie. So let's get the person that did it. Maybe, maybe. Also, I keep forgetting that Nicolas Cage's name was Cameron Poe. That's why I've been saying it a lot the past minute. Yeah, okay. Because in my notes, I just kept writing Jean-Claude... No, Jean-Fraud Van Damme. <laughs> Jean-Fraud Van Damme. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's how I remembered who the characters were. Whenever anyone said Poe in a movie, I just thought of Teletubbies. <laughs> it was the red one, wasn't it? Poe. Baby and Teletubbies has got grandchildren now. Don't you dare. Don't. <laughs> yeah, so are we going to watch this again tonight? No. No, we're not. We're absolutely not. <laughs> we should probably talk about the ending. The ending The ending being... The climax of this film. Yeah, okay. Um, since the, they destroyed, like, a portion of Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they're in a boneyard initially, aren't they? Where they refuel... Mm-hmm. but only enough fuel for like four miles <laughs> yeah <laughs> for some reason <laughs> because they're like they just, as soon as they get in the air they're like we're low on fuel and you're like why do you put more fuel in i get there on the timeline but yeah so they crash land in vegas malloy's character wants to shoot down the plane cusack's character wants to keep it in the air mm-hmm. i would argue probably would have been better to shoot it down but they do comment on that in the movie so yeah pass, give them a pass but yeah they land in vegas and it's Super, super crazy scene. We've actually started our season and ended our season. In Las Vegas. In Vegas. Unintentionally, yeah. Oh my God. A season about criminals just happens (laughs) to be set in Vegas. What a coincidence. We should have pretended that was intentional. The city started by the mafia. funny. (laughs) Allegedly. (laughs) Don't come for me. Yeah. Yeah, pretty crazy scene. And then it's been pretty action heavy throughout. And then you've got that final 20 minutes where they're crash landing in Vegas crashing into a casino which well there was the sands hotel i read that was scheduled for demolition anyway so they opted to film it there so they could kind of help (laughs) i suppose right (laughs) assist with the demolition as it were yeah i i don't know that kind of added value to that ending Mm. if you know what i mean Mm. I mean, I don't know how much it cost them to kind of piggyback onto the demolition, but I'm sure it would have cost more to build and then raise something else to the ground, you know? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Originally, it was meant to, the plane was meant to crash land into the White House. What? <laughs> no. What the fuck? Yeah, I know. But lo- like you said, when they found out about the, they had the opportunity to crash into the sands. Yeah. They changed it to Vegas. This is what I heard anyway. Yeah. And they, um, from what I read, they set up like multiple cameras to capture it at every angle so they could utilize the footage as much as they could. Yeah. And I think that kind of paid off. Like it's th- quite spectacular for the most part. I think it looks great. I think yeah. if, you, if this movie gets made today, it costs 200 million. Oh, easy. And it's, yeah. it's insane that 75 million is a lot of money, but it's still quite, see, it feels like it was quite economical to get this done for that number. Yeah. But it was 25 years ago. Uh, so. Yeah, it's tough to say, isn't it? I'd, I'd yeah. like to know what that would be with inflation. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, movies are super wasteful these days. Like, yeah. Even just catering alone is stupid, stupid money that, that gets spent on features nowadays. Bring a packed lunch, guys. Bring a fucking pat lunch, you <laughs> spoiled bastards. Crew, 
have whatever you like. Yeah. <laughs> A-listers, get fucked. You can yeah. afford it. Vegas, super memorable. They crash, and then there is a fire truck chase. Yes. Where Cusack and Cage get on motorbikes, and they give each other a little nod. <laughs> yeah. Just so as you know, there's now three men I trust. Riding a motorcycle in sandals was probably the most egregious part of that. <laughs> is that safe? <laughs> I don't know, you know. They weren't wearing helmets either, so no. I don't think safety was their top priority. <laughs> And Cameron Poe, he drives, he, he rides the, I was like, drives the motorbike, rides the motorbike up to the, the fire truck. Yeah. And jumps onto the back of it with the, of the where the ladders hang out. But he's yeah. hanging on with the arm that he'd just been shot in. HR needs to have a word, man. Yeah. I this is so. very unsafe. Yeah. And then that's it. That's the final action scene. He, 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 he shanks Kusak, um, not Kusak, he shanks Malkovich in the leg Malkovich. With, with the um, Malkovich. With the Malkovich. <laughs> yeah. And then Malkovich. Malkoviches. Malkoviches. And gets Malkoviched. <laughs> yeah. In the Malkovich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Something that always bothered me about this movie is that he gets handcuffed to the ladder. Poe raises said ladder and he's gets dragged through the ceiling of the, the tunnel, I guess. They're driving mm-hmm. through. But then he falls off and you see a wide shot. You see all these casinos, but then he falls off and lands <laughs> on a construction site or a quarry. Yeah. I'm not quite sure what that is. <laughs> But you see everything, like, leading up to that point. And then he's just in a <laughs> A completely different location. Yeah. And then he goes, <laughs> lands on one of those conveyor belt things as well. Yeah. That, so he takes him up uh, and then he come, he falls off of the, the conveyor belt. Yeah. But he falls in a way that his head's facing the way that it's not in the movie. Mm-hmm. But I'm not explaining this very well. Basically, I've <laughs> got a problem with look. Ge- ge- geography and logistics. This movie does not respect geography, physics, logic, women. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is not this is not where we start picking this apart. (laughs) We'll be here for another three hours. True. It just always bothered me a little bit. Yeah. But I said, fine. I mean, I don't know, man. This film is like pantomime, but for grown-ups. That is it hits a lot of the same beats and it like encourages you to get up in your seat and like you know. So I'm curious. What's your favourite scene? Oh, um, do I have a favourite? Well, I wasn't expecting this question. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I can tell you mine, why you Go think. Go you t- tell me yours. It's, um, I can't remember the other guy's name, but when they're in the cargo hold and Nicolas Cage is at one end and mm. the other guy who's just found his box with the letters to his kid or from his kid rather, and they... They look at each other and they run, but because yeah. they're bobbed down, yeah. it looks so fucking hilarious. Yeah, you did do a bit of a laugh when that, that happened. That killed me. Yeah. It looked so dumb. And that's your favourite scene? Yeah, because it's so funny. Okay. I-, I thought of mine. Okay. And it's actually when... Is it the same scene? No. <laughs> it's when Baby O's just been shot and he says... Oh, right. Oh, oh, I'm just... All I can think about is if God exists or not. And then Cameron Poe says, I'm about to show you God does exist. And he just walks <laughs> through the plane, gets shot in the arm, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't flinch, flinch, doesn't bat an eye, just doesn't give a fuck. Machismo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's my favourite scene. Definitely. <laughs> and the score's going crazy at that point as well. And I'm fucking punching the air during that. Do you know what? This movie, we went to the London Action Festival this year. Mm-hmm. And we watched it with Super Sport. We saw The Raid 2 with Q&A with director gareth evans and it was yep. fucking great the first one it was this, this was the second year the first year last year they screened con air with a q a with director simon west oh okay I, I i wish i'd known about it then i definitely would have gone i'd love to see this with the crowd <laughs> who's it's, your favorite character in this 
Oh, I would say... I'd say John Cusack, probably. Larkin is my favourite character, yeah. What does it say about me that mine's Garland Green? I, I would, he's not far off. I mean, it, helped by the fact that he looks like a pencil that someone stuck googly eyes onto. <laughs> I, th- I think Larkin and Green are the two most interesting characters. Yeah. And they yeah. get the most interesting dialogue as well. Agreed. Agreed. So I think that's probably got something to do with it. And it, it blows my mind that Cusack doesn't like this movie because I think he's fucking great in it. I yeah. think he's really good. It, he, like, I was surprised to read that he hated the experience because it doesn't show in his performance. It, it doesn't. And I, I guess maybe he's just a super professional because he might have hated the script, but he fucking... He's a de- pro. He delivered, man. I yeah. would never, like you said, I would never have noticed. Mm. Um, and it's it saddens me that he wasn't a huge fan of, of this. But I, I get it. I get it. But he's done way worse since. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Are we done? I is think that we a are. wrap yeah. on season two? I think it is a wrap on season two. We're we're all done now and we're gonna have a little holiday. Yeah. I really hope I never have to hear that Leanne Rhymes song as oh. long as I live. How do I I just said Dan Get through a night without you? If I have to live without you, what kind of life would that be? Oh, I... Well, be sure to come back for season three. It'll just be me because I'm going to murder Dan in the interim. <laughs> yeah, we're done with criminals now. We're going to have a little break. We're mm-hmm. going to be back on the 2nd of October with yep. a brand new season with a brand new theme. I'm so excited. Do you want to announce what we're doing? The theme? Yeah. Aliens. Aliens. Extraterrestrials. Yes. And the first episode we're going to be doing... Oh, are we announcing it now? Yeah. Go on, then. Haven't we? Go on. Naughty. <laughs> naughty, naughty, <laughs> very naughty. Predator. Yes. Is this our first Arnie movie? I think it might be. Won't be our last. No, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, we're going to be covering Predator for our season on Aliens, returning on the 2nd of October. So we're going to have a three, four-week break. I think it's four weeks, but it's three episodes. Mm-hmm. But if you want to continue listening to us in the meantime, we're constantly releasing episodes on Patreon. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, we're always talking. <laughs> well, we are, really. <laughs> you can't shut us up. We are, really. Like yeah. We cover pretty much every movie we see at the cinema at the moment. Yes. We, yeah. we, we promised to a month on mm-hmm. our Patreon. We've been seriously over delivering <laughs> yeah we've been we've we've done way more than than two a month particularly mm-hmm. over the last three months because it's been super busy at cinema but also what you get on the patreon is you get an end of season rap show yeah so if you've really enjoyed season two talking about criminal movies we'll do a bit of a rap show where we talk about a little bit the movies that we've covered some that we haven't mm-hmm. maybe they're ones that we wish we'd put in maybe they're some that we've would have swapped out Con Air, for example, yeah. you might, wanna, <laughs> might not have wanted to watch Con Air. Um, so yeah, we just go a little bit into just wrapping up the season, really, and our thoughts and yeah. feelings on that. So if you're a patron, you get access to that and a minimum two free new release uh, episodes as well. But um, we're way over delivering on that at the moment. So if you want to sign up to that, you can catch us there without a break. Otherwise, thanks for listening for the entire season, and we will be back on the second of October. Bye. Bye.